Live from Las Vegas, the Snake Sports Talk Show with Jake Silva starts right now. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, what a fantastic yet super Saturday that we have amongst you this morning. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show, wherever and however you may be watching and listening. We are all over on all social media platforms, iHeartRadio, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram is where you can like, follow, and subscribe, and also on the Fox D Network. So we got a lot of special announcements, and of course, as one big announcement that I am very proud and I am very happy to, um, I'm very happy to, at the very least, introduce is my newest co-host and my biggest, co- my favorite colleague as well. Jeremy Case is always on the case with us as our new co-host on the show. Jeremy, what's going on, man? I appreciate you coming on. Not much, Jake. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to be your new co-host for the show. And uh, yeah, man, let's let's get it. So those that don't know, Jeremy has always had his show, which was basically case by case. And he's big on Denver everything. So he's covered a lot of Denver Nuggets, Denver Broncos, Colorado Avalanche, and of course, um, not really big on the Colorado Rockies as much anymore, but on the San Francisco Giants. But nonetheless, yeah. he's very, very, very good, smart colleague of mine as well for a long time. So I've been very excited to starting the new year off and for us to basically taking this show to a new level. So it really does excite me a lot about what the new year is really going to look like for this show and of course for both of us as well so this is going to be amazing and epic so i cannot wait to see what this looks like for 2023 absolutely uh you can't wait for the college football playoff today both games are on tonight so that'll be exciting to to ring in the new year give us something else to talk about the stage for the national championship will be set tonight um you know Avalanche are doing okay right now. Broncos are in absolute turmoil. Uh, <laughs> we'll get, you know, and uh, the the Nuggets are are actually doing really well right now. So, yeah, so there's a, a Giants had had a hell of an off season. So uh, it was it was entertaining but, there for a minute. But I will tell you though, how about that Clemson game though? That was really I thought Tennessee really looked good. And that was, I mean, that was kind of interesting to see that from Dabo Sweeney. Like, that's where I was like, Tennessee, they've been on the roll. And Hendon Hooker, I really do like the kid. I think he, I think he's a really good, tough quarterback. But I, I am waiting to see how else Tennessee really does rebound themselves for next year. But that, the last um, bowl game that I watched right there, that was really, really good. So it's exciting. It's exciting to see how the college football playoffs go. I. I'm on the full ride with Michigan. I think they're the very tough physical team. It'll be interesting to see how TCU really handles it. But to be honest, I don't think Ohio State really can take it up that upper gear against Georgia. I mean, that, I, that that's tough. That, that That is really, really tough. So, and Ohio State and Ryan Day, he's really got to change up a lot of his playbook, especially in situational plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I I really didn't watch that bowl game uh, yesterday. Although it was very interesting, I will say to see uh, Barstool Sports get their own bowl game. 
sponsor their own bowl game. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty huge for yeah, is it? Um, wow. for like media sports media companies. You know, that was a very big victory uh, in that aspect. I thought yesterday yeah. was pretty interesting, even though it yeah. was between two really like lower level schools. Uh, I believe it was it was Ohio and Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Miami of Ohio or was it? Yeah, I think it was Miami of Ohio. Yeah, and then versus uh, Wyoming, but still, yeah. I mean, that's pretty massive, <laughs> considering that you know Dave Portnoy when he started out would like him or love him or hate him, however you think about him, but it doesn't matter. What you can't deny is that the guy has had tremendous success as a as a business owner. Uh, he went from selling newspapers out of the back of his own van and getting it towed to having his own bowl game so that's pretty it's pretty crazy yeah that's that's insane and they and they've been around for a long long time and just even for the journey itself i mean yeah, yeah. like like them or, you know you could like them or hate them but barstool sports they are what they are and it sure enough they got themselves sponsored up in a bowl game who would have thought that's but, crazy yeah so we got a lot of stuff lined up we got our prime predictions at the bottom half of the hour as well we're excited for uh, Doug Brooks of the Big Time Show joining us here in a couple of minutes. So I do want to start with this. So uh, Derek Carr has been benched, and he's not going to end up showing up um, for the Raiders moving forward, which only tells you one thing, is that this future with the Raiders, it's over. And what I have said now for at least for the last couple of years, because Derek Carr, love him or hate him, he has taken a lot of the turmoils that the the Raiders have instilled in this franchise and still have to this day. The Raiders have an awful lot of skeletons in their closet, and they have not been able to unload them for the last few years. I mean, date back to 2002, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is they had their starting quarterback, Rich Gannon, at the time. And since then... They went into the Super Bowl in 2002 and lost to the Buccaneers in an embarrassing show. I mean, the Buccaneers had great defense. John Gruden ended up inheriting a Tony Dungy defense, and they just smacked them around left and right in that Super Bowl. We all remember it. But since 2002, I can name off several quarterbacks that the Raiders have gone through since Rich Gannon. I mean, to name off the top of my head, this is not the entirety of the list. But for my listeners, I apologize. But one of the things that I've seen from the Raiders, so the list here that I know off the top of my head, these were the quarterbacks that the Raiders had had. Matt Toyasasopo. They also had um, Bruce Gretkowski, Jamarcus Russell, Andrew Walter, Matt McGloin, Dante Culpepper, Jason Campbell. The list entirely goes on until they found Derek Carr in 2014. And since 2014, do you know what the Raiders' ranked defense was? 32nd. He's had a horrible defense behind him since he's been in the league in 2014. And all of you want to blame Derek Carr. You want to make it easy enough to blame Derek Carr. That's fine. Go ahead and blame him. I mean, everybody does. I hear it all the time here in the Vegas Valley that everybody wants to blame Derek Carr. He's the reason for the Raiders' problems. I think that's more than that. You're talking about a poor owner in Mark Davis, which basically they've started up with a whole project with 
moving to Las Vegas after moving out of Oakland. They go and get themselves a stadium in Allegiant Stadium, which, by the way, is a beautiful stadium. I can't deny it. But there is so much entailed in this Raiders franchise than a lot of people know. And this is dating all the way back, even toward the Al Davis years. Because what was the biggest slogan that the Raiders fans and, of course, Raider players have always said to this day? Just win, baby. Every week, I'm always thinking it's just win, maybe? Every time there's questionable games. There's times where Raiders don't even show up in some games. Sometimes when they do, it just so happens to happen in dramatic fashion. And let's also not forget that all of the draft picks from 2020, how's that working out? I got one of them who's obviously behind bars for murder. I've got one who got cut because of the fact of he showcased his gun on social media and threatened somebody with it. I've got one that's also dealing with the DUI and the rest of them, they're not even retaining their fifth year options. So they are taking a lot of these draft picks and they're throwing them away like it's nothing. And you blame Derek Carr for that? Do you also blame Derek Carr for the fact that you traded away Khalil Mack, a big time outside linebacker and pass rusher who was big in the league? And you blame Carr for that? Do you blame Carr for trading away Amari Cooper to the Cowboys for all those draft picks? Do you blame Carr for that? My point I'm getting across is that every move that the Raiders have had have always been questionable. But yet Derek Carr apparently seems to be the Raiders scapegoat for everything. I mean, look at what this kid does. He's throwing about 4,000 passing yards. Do you know what his career passing yards is? 35,000. If he goes to a different team, I think there's chances he might end up going to the Jets. What did the Jets have? They have Robert Sala, who is a defensive-minded coach, trusts his offense and his quarterback, and they've got a great defense amongst them. Sauce Gardner is an absolute home run steal for the Jets, and the defense has been playing ecstatic lately. So there's a lot of confidence there for Derek Carr, and he's got an offense in front of him with Garrett Wilson really popping, Elijah Moore, Imagine when Brees Hall is back from his ACL injury in, uh, to next year and the run game. He's going to have trustworthy pieces. The only thing they'd have to fix is they'd have to fix the other side of the offensive line. That's with Mekhi Becton in them. I don't know if they're going to pick him back up. They might end up going in again in a different O-line. But the fact of the matter is this is a team that's well, that's well ran and it's trustworthy and it took a long time. And Joe Douglas has finally put the pieces together. All that they're looking for is a quarterback. Why not the New York Giants? Brian Dable is a really good head coach, even, even if he's dealing with Daniel Jones. The fact is, they've got to get themselves more offensive weapons. They've also got to fix up a little more of those defenses. But Brian Dable has been working his tail off to turning this big franchise around. I mean, it's New York. New York sports, it's tough. It's a big money market, but it's not something Derek Carr is not used to. So bringing in the veteran presence and, of course, the um, experience behind all of that can help Brian Dable out. The other part, too, a lot of people have been talking about the Colts. 
But I think if you are the Colts and the one thing that's tough about it, you've got to get more weapons. Michael Pittman can not only be your option at the wide receiver position, not to mention, too, guys have been hurt on defense. So, and, and I get it, you know, you got a great running back in Jonathan Taylor, but you're hoping you get the right head coach in the building because as long as Jim Irsay is in his good mood, hopefully Indianapolis can turn the franchise around. People see, seem to forget that even with the turmoils with the Raiders, Derek Carr took this team last year to the playoffs. That's firing John Gruden after anti-Semitic racist comments. That's also dealing with the Henry Ruggs situation, Damon Arnett, and several players. It's insane. And they managed to make the playoffs. And then by this year, in comes Josh McDaniels. Oh, and by the way, Shannon Sharp went off on this on Undisputed and mentioned about what Josh McDaniels and his history was. You want to know about his history? Look at his tenure in Denver. Everybody knows it. You look at it at the time with Tim Tebow and how he managed that offense. Yeah, you could be a great offensive coordinator and not be a great head coach in the long run. If you don't have Belichick and you don't have Tom Brady, what else do you really got? That's why I think for Josh McDaniels, he's not holding back up on this, but I thought this was, I understood why they had to bench him because of injury reasons. They're going to be looking to get draft capital. They're looking to trade him away, but this is not exactly the way that you would have wanted to do it. And now you're having Devontae Adams have second thoughts of even joining the Raiders too. I've told a lot of Raider fans because anytime when they started talking about Derek Carr, I said, are you comfortable with finding your quarterback 20 quarterbacks later? Because we all saw this since 2003. It was not fun. By the way, you can even add Kerry Collins into the middle of that mix. I remember him playing in the silver and black too. I may be an uh, opposing uh, division rival as a Charger fan, but I have watched this Raider organization be in turmoil. I have watched them unravel and unfold and this, honestly, for a lot of Raider fans, and I have great Raider content, guys. These guys here are best, are the best of the best at what they do. You can ask them. You know, you have graphics, you've got wasted talent, you've got Hammer's House, you've got Spotlight, you've got all those guys that are big time Raider guys. They will tell you that. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Raider fan base has to get a grip. They have to understand this, that this is not going to be one of those easy scenarios. And then what do you think is going to fix all this? Bring Tom Brady in? Like, I just don't think that even for this quarterback class, I feel like that if you had a bridge quarterback, let's just hypothetically speak. If you had a bridge quarterback going into next year, knowing you have the draft where it's full of quarterbacks, Bryce Young, Will Levis, and um, C.J. Stroud, you don't know if these guys are going to be big-time superstars. We don't know. But other organizations outside looking in are looking at a lot of these quarterbacks. And some of them, they could actually change a lot of their play game. But think about what the year after that's going to look like. You've got one other young kid, Drake May, in North Carolina. 
he's going to be a big-time commodity. And then there's Caleb Williams. So you may have a shot. But in the end, I just don't think that this looks good for the Raiders. And when Derek Carr ends up leaving this organization, this will be the best thing that will happen for him. I think if he goes to the Jets or if he goes to uh, the Giants or even the Colts in some places, he is going to surpass that 35,000 yards. He's probably going to be close to about 50,000 yards as a quarterback. But yet we all want to make him a scapegoat. And we all want to brunt the blame on Derek Carr for every one of the Raiders' turmoils, right? That's insane. All right. Um, so Doug Brooks is joining us as well, um, talking a lot about the Cowboys. So uh, the Cowboys won Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans. You know, they played against the scout team. But the one thing that I look at with the Cowboys and something that I wanted to talk about as well from the week prior against the Philadelphia Eagles, the Cowboys are a real good team. They're a real good team. My only concern about the Cowboys, because the week before you had the Philadelphia Eagles and it looked like it was about a fun, close game. And they had no Jalen Hurts. Gardner Minshew was starting. But the big thing I had was Gardner Minshew almost had 400 passing yards. How does that happen to a Dallas defense with a backup quarterback? My only concern about that when you're starting the playoffs, you know who's smiling and who's looking at that. That's the young kid up in the Bay Area. That's Brock Purdy. He's like, Gardner Minshew got almost 400 passing yards? seems to me it's not that hard to score up on Dallas. One thing you got to think about with the Dallas Cowboys, they are a very impressive team. And I love with what CeeDee Lamb has done this year. But for Dak Prescott, that was the one throw I finally saw out of Dak, out of all the games he's played, not to mention games against playoff teams, that he's made the throw. He has made the drive. If he could do that like 110% of the time, the Cowboys would not have question marks surrounded them, around them. Now, I'm not a Dak hater, but I am very critical about Dak Prescott in certain ways. And you kind of got to be because he's a $40 million a year quarterback. I mean, let's be honest. If I was paid 40, 50 million a year, wouldn't you all be highly critical of me, of my performance of the show? I mean, you would have a lot of you would have a lot of high expectations on us. I mean, that's that's you would want 110%. You wouldn't want me slacking. Like you would you would want me to have the best performance where everybody's like, this kid is great. This kid is amazing. I'm critical about Dak Prescott for several reasons because when it comes to playoff teams, he either does make the throw or he just shrinks. For the Cowboys, I know it's the last two games of the season, but these are the ones going into the playoffs. You are hoping that everything gets, everything aligns the way that the Cowboys want it. And, but Jerry Jones, I mean, we went through this entirety of the season, we went through the whole run. I mean, Dak got hurt. Cooper Rush ends up coming in. He goes up onto a streak. Dak comes back. The team still looks great. 
but the one thing that the Cowboys, as I've said with their um, their formula, is that if they are big on the run and they trust that the defense is going to make stops and they're going to make plays, and Micah Parsons, he's unbelievable. He's a hybrid-type player. If he makes big-time sacks and stops and he brings pressures on, the Cowboys would be unstoppable. But the one big thing is, if you're trusting Dak Prescott to throw more than thirty, more than forty passes in a game, Cowboys are not the same team. You have to be able to trust that run game. You gotta hope that the run game is flourishing because then that takes a lot of pressure off Dak, and he wouldn't have to do much. It's now all this. It's a well-ran oil machine. And if that machine ain't working and it's not exactly producing the way that it's supposed to, that is what draws problems. Now, I know we've had, (laughs) I know last year when we saw against the 49ers, we know that there are question marks about Mike McCarthy, but let's be honest, McCarthy has had playoff experiences. I don't want to hear any more heckles from the cheesehead fans of Aaron Rodgers. I've heard enough. I know that there are times where Mike McCarthy either does or he doesn't make the right decision. But in the end, the Cowboys are the ones that are managing their destiny. They are the ones that are trying to shape and align with where they go into in the playoffs. I mean, you got the Eagles. They're down their quarterback but it doesn't seem to hurt them as much. I know they took a loss against the Cowboys, but Gardner Minshew came in, executed his job, and at the same time, the Cowboys won the game. That's it. There's no sweat, but it is going to be tough. But I look at the Cowboys, and I'm just like, I I want to solely 110% believe that the Cowboys could run the NFC in the playoffs. But I'm telling you, I'm looking at several plays. And look, now, my one thing is when I watch Dak throw a pick and that's his solely, I will know for a fact that's on Dak. I'm not going to blame him for the Noah Brown bounce against the Jaguars and then that became a pick six and the Jags won the game. I'm not blaming that on Dak. And not even for, you know, several plays that – Ones that should have been secured by his wide receiver core, I'm not putting that on Dak. But I know that if Dak, when the pressure is on his shoulders, I mean, that's $40 million a year. It's tough. It's tough, but that is where a lot of those quarterbacks, you're not going to see a whole lot of Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or even Trevor Lawrence make that. And we're seeing a big jump on Trevor Lawrence. But that's where you're getting the high expectancy out of your quarterback. Well, but- even, even even more than that, Jake, to be quite honest with you, the biggest glaring problem for the Dallas Cowboys right now, I just looked at their defensive ranking. They rank 10th in the entire mm-hmm. NFL. Like, oh, yeah, the defense great. I, I don't think the defense is that great, to be quite honestly. Like, if you – against San Francisco's defense, who's got the number one defense in the oh. entire league, they're going to yeah, slaughter. It, it, they're going to slaughter. Yeah, and, and, it, but but see that's the thing because it, San Francisco the, trust they trust their defense and it, but but the thing is too like when Gardner Minshew came in that's what I'm saying he put almost 400 passing yards against that Dallas defense exactly you know how Brock Purdy is literally going to look at that and go yeah 
this should be no problem. That, that's what I was about I, to mention. On the other side of the ball, <laughs> you got got Kyle Shanahan and this plug and play West Coast hybrid style type offense. And yeah, I I, I honestly believe the San Francisco 49ers are going to be the Super Bowl champions. Like I, usually the most elite defense in the entire league wins it. I mean, no case is better than that. Then we've seen a few examples over the years of the 2000 Ravens, the 2015 Broncos, yep. the, the, the 1970 Steelers, hell, even all those Super Bowls that the 49ers won, even the Cowboys won. It was, it was cause they had elite defensive players and a, and a good defense. It wasn't necessarily uh, because the offensive side of the ball. I, I honestly think it like just being town breakdown, I just said right there, is a yep. fourth round pick and got forty million and he hasn't won anything. I think what in, in Dak Prescott's entire tenure, what the the Cowboys have won what maybe three playoff games. And his yeah, entire just about his three, entire yeah, career. just about three playoff games. But at yeah. the same time, I I get it too with the Jones family because I, I'm just the biggest thing of like I understand Jerry Jones wants to see this team succeed, but sometimes you gotta have outside perspective looking in. You can't just, exactly. you know, you can't just put it on a family trust. Like that, well, that's always been my big thing. But because again, I want to see the Cowboys succeed. I really do. But there are times where it feels like they're almost like their own worst enemies, like yeah. in certain points. But what is, what is it that we've always said to each other when it comes to late in the season? It's all about situational football. That is yep. what you're tested on because refs are not going to, refs are not going to blow the whistle. They're not no. gonna they're gonna be slowing no, gonna it all play. through the playoffs. That and and not only that, Jerry Jones has to realize at some point, and I don't think he's ever really um got rid of this mentality, as far as I can see. Mm -hmm. The NFL is not the NCAA. You can't it's not about just assembling yeah. talent and winning because you assembled talent. Yeah. Uh you 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 actually have to have, you know, the game plan and everything. And you see that with a lot of big time owners. It's not just Jerry Jones. We see it with oh, the course. Yankees. We see it with the Yankees every year. They, they, uh. buy, they buy the whole entire, I mean, you're seeing it with the Mets right now. They're trying to buy every big name free agent that they can, but is that necessarily going to lead to success? Because they did that last year and they exited in the first round. Yeah. So, and then look at the Yankees. They completely shrank against the, the Astros and they haven't even won a world series since 2009. So they're with hit. with the with the league leading home run hitter on their team. Yeah, and they're paying a big. So that's 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 going to be that's going to be interesting to see. Well, with all this with all this talk and with all of our our evaluations on the Dallas Cowboys, there is nobody who I know that has bigger evaluations on the Cowboys and is also known as the Big Time Show. And he is joining us live, Doug Brooks. Join I, I am certainly sure, sure you, you have a counter, a counter argument of what, of what Jeremy, Jeremy and I had explained about the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. But, but I'd, I'd love, love to hear, to hear from, from what you think. Because, I mean, again, I mean, again, I, I, correct, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, wrong, but to me, to I'm, me not, I'm not a hater. But I, I, I love, love to be critical about, about my quarterback, though. Because I'm paying him $40 million a year. I'm expecting, I'm expecting him to make, make the, throws, the throws, and, and whether, whether Michael McCarthy, McCarthy does, does or, or he doesn't, doesn't make the right, right decision. decision. Um, oh, there's, oh, an, there's an echo in the background. Hold up, hold up. Is that me? Uh, or is it yeah, me? Yeah, I think so. I think it's me. Okay. I don't know why, but we'll try to work it out. What about now? 
Yep. Yep. Still oh, got nope. Yeah, nope. still got a little bit of it. Yeah. What about now? I think that's working. Yep. That's good. Perfect. So, yeah, anyway, I'd love to be critical about my quarterback because, yeah, if Mike McCarthy does or doesn't make the right call, I would hope that my quarterback, like, you got to sometimes improvise in certain situations and scenarios. But it's like I said, that, that play at Philly was where I'm like, that is what I would expect my quarterback to do. Make that throw and get it to the point where my team has the big lead. But I would love your thought and your perspective up on that. Because to me, I've always said late in the season, it is testing your situational football IQ. Because it gets tough in the playoffs. And I'd love to put my, like, I would love to put all of my chips in for the Cowboys and how they're running the NFC. But, but for some reason, I just still have question marks. Well, first of all, thank you for allowing me to come on your show. And, uh, Jeremy, congratulations on being the new uh, co-host of this show. Thank you, Doug. Um, I appreciate that. You gave a whole lot of uh, complaints. I say that, <laughs> Jeremy, you added in on your complaints as well. Uh and it's almost, and Jake, I know you, I've listened to you many times, and I know you're kind of a sports analogist or whatever, analysis type dude. Mm-hmm. I get all that, but let's pump the brakes just a little bit. All right, here's the first thing. We're 12 and 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good to me. I mean, I don't know how y'all feel about it, but <laughs> we've only lost four games this year. So let's 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 hold off. So we've done way more good than bad. So let's mm-hmm. let's pump the brakes. Now, the part that you did not say, Jake, and I'm not here to counteract because a lot of stuff that you said I somewhat agree with, and even you, Jeremy, just a few things that you said that I agree with. See, I'm not one of these crazy cowboy fans. I'm one of these realistic cowboy fans. However, what you did not do, uh, Snake and Jeremy, you did not give the whole story. Yes, he threw the interceptions. Yes, he made a few mistakes. Some of them were not his mistakes. But the other part was what happened after that. Mm-hmm. He won the game because he made the big play. So let's let's tell the whole story before we do that. Now, you you brought up so much, and I just go with your story because mm-hmm. it's your show. Uh, a lot of what you're talking about, Snake, you called out some names, but there's one name that you did not call out, which is the one that needs to be highlighted the most. That's Kellen Moore, mm-hmm. because yep. in the playoff game last year. Prior to the playoff game against San Francisco last year, they said we have to put the ball in Tony Pollard's hands. He's our playmaker. He's this, he's that. He's this, he's that. At the end of the game, Tony Pollard only had four touches. That And it was not a blowout game. It was not a game where the 49ers jumped out to this gigantic lead and took away the running game. Yeah. It was nothing like that. Tony Pollard last year, the guy who they said was supposed to touch the ball, 
did not touch the ball but four times last year. That lies into the hands of Kellen Moore. The question really is, since you were talking about Dak throwing it 40 times, of course, Cowboy fans do not want that because if that be the case, then the running game obviously is not uh, what we're looking for. I mean, it's not there present at the time. Mm-hmm. The question is, is how Kellen Moore is going to act? Is he going to do what work pretty much predominantly the whole year, which is the running game? And, I mean, when Cooper Rush was there, we ran the ball down people's throat, won everything except one game. Hello. I mean, come back, Tony Pollard made a Pro Bowl this year, and he's not even the quote-unquote starting running back. Tony Pollard made a Pro Bowl, probably going to get 1,000 yards if he plays. He's right at the doorstep now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's all there. The question is, see, you can have all the cooks in the kitchen. And let me correct somebody. I thought it was you, Jeremy. I, I will correct and say this. It is the general manager's job to put the best players that he can get on the field. He did that. The problem is not Jerry Jones. He's done his job. You get the team there, now it goes into the hands of the coaching staff, which is where the problem is. See, you can have all the good ingredients, but if you don't know have a, a, a cook in the kitchen that don't know how to cook the meal, that's where the problem is. That's where you, when you look at the pro, the roster for the Pro Bowl every year, the Cowboys have just about as many Pro Bowlers every year as, as the entire league. So the question is, okay, if you got all these pro bowlers and all pros, what is the problem? Why can't y'all take it to the next level? It comes back to what you just said, Snake. It's coaching. You didn't call out Kellen Moore. I am. I'm not worried about Dan Quinn. I heard you talking about the defense. Uh, but here's the thing about the defense. What you have to remember is, you know, all this next man up mentality. Well, that don't work when your next man is, is a practice squad player. That don't work. And the Brown went out. Kevin Joseph is not the guy. Uh, now we got Nashawn Wright, and we had to sign a couple of guys. Of course, quarterback's going to go over that way. My God, got a mentor who had A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith going against a rookie. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, he's supposed to light him up. They didn't go over there to Diggs' side too much, though. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You got somebody <laughs> on the outside of Diggs, supposed to go over there. Layton mm-hmm. Vanderash didn't play. Leighton Vanderas was out. Hankins, our big defensive tackle, was out. I mean, we got major league injuries that the reason why, uh, Jeremy, uh, you're you right when you say um, we're 10th. Well, if I got the number one offense in the league and 10th in defense, you're going to win a whole bunch of football games. But the problem is, Jeremy, even though you're right, right now, in my view, as a Cowboy fan, we do not look like a ten, top 10 defense. That That's because all that lets you know all the work we did before these injuries came. Mm-hmm. That's what we kind of standing on. We're giving up a whole lot of yards right now. We're giving up a whole lot of points right now to teams that don't belong. Uh, and so I agree with you on that part, Jeremy. It's just that lets you know how good we were prior to a lot of these injuries. Now, we're supposed to be getting a few of these people back. Uh, and and I think we're gonna be all right. So, uh, but I'm not saying Super Bowl because you got to keep in mind the Cowboy. Any other year, Snake, Jeremy, I'd be through with this. Um, any other year, a 12 and four record 
would probably get you a number one seed. Mm-hmm. Or at least no no less than a number two. And I realize only one team is gonna get to buy. But it took a special year this year by Philadelphia to make us with a twelve and four record, a probably a fifth seed in the <laughs> NFC. That's what's gonna happen. We're yeah. gonna be a fifth seeded team and probably have a better record with the exception maybe of Minnesota. We're gonna have a better record than every other division champ champ there. Twelve and four usually wins your division in a normal year. I don't care yeah, what division right. you're in. So let's let's pump the brakes. The Cowboys, if you look at it, uh let me give you a record before because see people talk about the Cowboys like they four and twelve. No, sir. No ma'am. We're we're twelve and four. The Cowboys in September, two and one, four and one in October, two and one in November. Four and one in December. I don't know what else. It, yeah, I mean, come on now. I take it any day of the week. Now we can nitpick all we want, but the bottom line is, did you win? Style points count in BCS. The more you blow people out, then you get more rankings. But in the NFL, all you got to do is win by one point. You move on. Yeah, and and it's like we pointed out before. I mean, situational football is everything. Come this month of January because by the time we get into Super Bowl weekend in February that is where it's the end of the line and but it's all of what you do from January you know and and that's the biggest thing and like <clears throat> my thought of it with the Cowboys is like I know they're a very talented team I think they got a lot of really good talented players and Tony Pollard's have a really had a really good year I I know from what I see he's an explosive running back He's a guy that is developed with speed. He's a guy that also, too, can at times be a power back. He can bust through defensive lines and can get himself more yards. Um, it's it's questionable to see what the future really does look like with Zeke, but all of that will be explained, I'm sure, by the offseason and how they really handle that with the running back position. But, um, but when I look at Mike McCarthy, my big thing is because – yeah, that playoff game against San Francisco, you're right, because it did not look like a dominant game from San Francisco's end. They had some struggles. They had things that they were not um, they, they were not jumping. And Dallas was able to take advantage of that. And to that point where it was that close of a game, that's where I was like, somewhere in that situation just seemed off. And that was where, yeah, Kellen Moore, you're absolutely right. Um, seeing with his play calling as an offensive coordinator, you would expect that they would change up and adjust the playbook. They would adjust the situational play to where it would have worked on Dallas's end. Because I was expecting a throw. I was not expecting a run. I was like, okay, like you got the first down, but then time is is now starting to expire. And I, I, I never understood that. But looking at that now, um, Dak, I know, is a good quarterback. Do I think he's like Mahomes or Allen? Probably not, but he is a quarterback of his own. He is one that you can, at the very least, give him to make the throw, but you can't overthrow him over 40 times. And Cowboy fans know that because by the time it's 40, it's like you're overly relying on Dak, and that's where things start to fall apart. But you're right. It is on the run game. The run game has to produce. Um my he big needs thing to be is throwing the ball, Jake, under thirty times. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. At, at the very least, like that's thirty, like thirty times. Like, yeah, that's that's perfect. Then it's like, okay, there's an equal balance. I like that. 
Um, my big thing is because I, I'm very surprised at how the, the division really shaped because the Eagles are playing good. The Cowboys I know are playing good, but the Giants and Commanders, I mean, that's insane to me. Like, and I love Brian Dable out there in the Giants. Um, I do think there's a lot of adjustments that need to be made with as far as player personnel. And I'm sure the commanders are probably going to be changing a lot of things up. But looking at a lot of teams in the NFC, because I I still think my tough teams are San Francisco, Philadelphia. Um, I'm a little bit questionable when it comes to Minnesota because there are times where I do trust their offense and there are times where their defense just lets them down. So I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of curious because it does, it almost seem like even where, where the Cowboys land. Um, my only fear is if they get to a point where they've got to literally play three games to win the Super Bowl, that's a tough task to ask. Would I, am I right? You're absolutely 100% right. Uh, the Cowboys, as is looking, as Philadelphia, all they have to do is win one game um, to, to shut this thing down. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll be the number one seed. Uh, you're going to have to go on the road. Mm-hmm. Even with your 12-4 and four record, uh, it's obvious since we have a two-game lead over the sixth seed, it's safe to say that the Cowboys are pretty much going to be locked in at the fifth seed, which means you're going to be playing the fourth seed. Mm-hmm. That looks to be the winner of tomorrow's game between Tampa and Carolina. Mm-hmm. Everybody probably is going to put their money on Tampa and because it's just hard to bet against Brady. Everybody knows that. That means that the Cowboys would start it off in Tampa mm-hmm. against Brady in the playoffs mm-hmm. that's dangerous i don't yep. care what you know i don't care if his record is nine six and ten i don't care it's brady mm-hmm. and because of that is respect now if you ask me who gonna win i say we should win uh no question but it's something about the playoffs it's something about beating brady uh that it's, it's done took 20 years and folks still ain't figured it out. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're fortunate enough to get past that, probably is either Frisco, if they, you know, San Francisco, if they come through their wild card game, or Philadelphia, who will be waiting there. You're going to have to go on the road uh, to get it done, bottom line. So the odds are stacked against you. But if we go to Minnesota, I, I even throw that in. Well, we all know what happened when we saw them earlier. Uh, the name that you did not call out, Snake, is you said the, the offensive defense, but you got to get a little bit more detailed with that. And that's mm-hmm. one name. That's Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. We all know how yep. Kirk Cousins is. We talking about Dak this way. We all know how Kirk Cousins is when the money is on the line. He does not show up. Yep. So that that's that's the issue and that's the question mark with that. But even then, you would have to if we were to see them, you have to go to their building again in that loud place and during this time. So we're talking major league. If you're gonna get there, you gotta go through a real gauntlet to even get there. So the odds are stacked against us. That's why I say I'm not I, I'm I'm really on a game by game. Uh, 
you know, week by week, even next week with Washington, if Philadelphia wins, uh, the game next week actually means nothing, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I think that we need to get our guys rested. Some guys, uh, they shouldn't be playing the whole game and just take it from there. So I'm I'm taking it week by week. Uh, we got we got a lot of boogeymans that we got to get rid of. Brady is one. Aaron Rodgers is another boogeyman for the Cowboys. Uh, even though he probably hopefully he don't show up. I mean, you know, it'd be a shame if he get there. But everybody else, we got the monster in Frisco. Uh, the matchup, you know, the thing about uh, Philly is is that we one up on each other. They mm-hmm. beat us without Dak early in the year. Mm-hmm. We beat them without Jalen Hurts. So what everybody want to see now is, okay, now let's see what's going to happen if Jalen and Dak are playing at the same time. Now let's see what's going on. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of question marks, uh, but but the Cowboys got – we have the, the, the talent. The, the question is, can we put it together for about another month? And that's that's where Kellen Moore comes into play, and Quinn, and as you said before, situational football because playoff games usually come down to the last two or three drives, and that's where Mike McCarthy has been getting questioned on this entire year. And I say this, Jake, and I'll shut it down. Uh, twelve and four last year for Mike McCarthy. Twelve and four now. With a chance to even put another game up, that's thirteen and four. Usually, a coach that wins like that job is secure. Mm-hmm. I've been saying it all year long. Jerry Jones said it at the opening press conference. He expects a deep playoff run. If we go one and done this year, even with that twelve and four record, I'm telling y'all right now, as a Cowboy fan and lover, the seat is going to be real real hot uh, and there's a certain coach that's assembling a coaching staff together right now and Sean Payton who who conveniently is probably going to wait this thing out just to see what Coach McCarthy is going to do and then things might get just a little interesting even though I don't think Sean's coming because he's going to want too much and Jerry Jones is not going to give it to him we got to trade for him I'm just saying yeah exactly you got to trade for power. him Jerry Jones not giving away power, so I never believed Sean was coming. But that name is mm. going to come up if if we go one and done, even with them 12 wins he got this year. So, unfortunately, a guy that wins as much as McCarthy has, forget the year that Dak got hurt the whole year. Right. Other than that, this man has won, bottom line. Mm. But it's not going to mean nothing. He's got to win in January. So, unfortunately, yeah, that's- him, that's where he is. Yeah, that's the big assignment. I mean, <clears throat> there's a difference between regular season play and play and and postseason play. I mean, you see it with a lot of different coaches. I mean, you watch Andy Reid, you watch a little bit of Sean McDermott, and even times where you would watch uh, several other coaches who've been there, you know, and they understand it. They know that January gets tough, and it gets tougher down the stretch. Um, I mean, Mike McCarthy's very much used to it. I mean, even with his tenure in Green Bay. Now, some of that could either be Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers at times, but there were points where Mike McCarthy would understand like what those pressures are. So I do think there's a, there's a boost to that, but you're absolutely right. They go one and done. 
I'd be having question marks too. And I would be at the very least seeking my options as well if I'm Jerry Jones, because yeah, you've got to have this team going over the top. They could be talented. They can win games, but if they're not winning the bigger games in the postseason come January, that's yeah, that, that's where it's going to get hotter, hotter than before. So, um, but I do want to speak about this. So the Cowboys, they signed T.Y. Hilton. Um, a lot of the talks, people thought, OBJ is going to go to the Cowboys. It seems reasonable. seems like a fit. They don't sign him. Instead, they go in for a veteran like T.Y. Hilton, which I don't think is bad. Um, how has his presence, though, with the Cowboys and with Dak Prescott as well, having another weapon to throw to, um, is that somebody that is a – um, oh, how do I say this? Is this somebody that's kind of like the boost to this offense that really can help even for some of the young guys like Noah Brown and several others on this roster? Is he kind of that guy that really does share a lot of his veteran experience and really helps to shape up a little more of the wide receiver core? You just answered the question, uh, Snake. Um, I'll give you the scenario that happened um, after the Thursday night game against Titans. Against the Titans, um, C.D. Lamb at the end of the game, um, Jersey exchanged with T.Y. Hilton and had him sign it, took it home with him. Uh, now, the conversation and the reasons why would only be answered by C.D. Lamb. Why did he want his jersey? Uh, I think that what you just said happens. If you listen to T.Y. and uh, C.D. in some of the interviews that they had, locker room interviews, you hear C.D. talk about the influence, the, the certain little nuances of the game that has been taught by, uh, was been given by T.Y. Hilton to him. Uh, that's where the effect of it comes. And T.Y. obviously still can play. Uh, he he is a guy that if you don't respect him, he told everybody that that if you don't respect him, he's going to run by you, number one, and he's going to bust you. And that's what he's done so far. Uh, and because of that, he is a perfect number three receiver uh, that I believe his role is going to even increase even more as the weeks go by uh, because it's scary for a defensive coordinator if we run a three-wide receiver set to see C.D. Lamb, T.Y. Hilton, and Michael Gallup out there. You got to respect that. Uh, if you don't, you're going to get eight alive. So uh, T.Y. still can play, but I think his major influence is in the locker room. Uh, you can tell by the numbers. Uh, even with Amari Cooper gone uh, and Cedric Wilson gone, uh, the, the word was, well, who other than C.D., who does the Cowboys have? Uh, that's what everybody's been saying the whole year. But even with just the, the, the roster that is there in the wide receiver room, C.D. Lamb has 90 over 100 receptions, almost uh, right at 1,300, well, close to 1,300 yards. And keep in mind, he has all of that without Dak Prescott playing for five games, being hurt. So you can only imagine what his numbers would be if Dak would have been playing. Mm -hmm. So this kid has stepped up tremendously, and he's getting all the double teams, he's getting all the attention, and he's still a Pro Bowl wide receiver. 
and mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm talking about major yards. So, uh, T. Y. Hilton, to answer your question again, his effect is both on the field, but I think it's most importantly, I believe, is is helping a young receiver with C. D. Lamb is mm-hmm. take him to the next level. Now, since T. Y. has been there, the question has been: Has what he learned from him applied to the field? We don't know. Uh, don't C. D. can answer that. And, and other than that, but let's put it this way to, to really answer your question. It's a benefit to have T.Y. there rather than a liability. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, 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 a, well, that's the best way of looking at it. Well, yeah, and, and not only that as well, he, he could be, you know, a, a, another distraction besides C.D. Lamb to take that pressure off of C.D. Lamb no for, uh, for defenses to plan for as well because, as you saw Thursday night too, uh, you know, he got he got targeted quite a bit, so yeah. – uh, you and he's you hit the nail really on talented. the head, Jeremy. You hit the, the exact nail on the head. Put it this way: If you're a defensive coordinator, you're really not game planning for Noah Brown. Yeah. But if you're a defensive coordinator, you are paying attention to Ty Hilton. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's that you're absolutely right on that. No, yeah, you're at, yeah, absolutely. Because I would rather be keeping my eyes on on the veteran receiver because even though that the youngster, I mean, he's there are times where he'll make plays and he'll, you know, he'll benefit the offense for it. But looking at the veteran experience of it too, because he's been in the league, he's ran several different routes, even with the tenure he's played with Andrew Luck in Indianapolis, he knows exactly the spots that he wants to be in when he's healthy. And that's where I think, yeah, that that truthfully does benefit. And that is a good way of looking at it too, because I, I never really saw obj like really coming into dallas at times um i felt like it was an option but i don't think it was something that the cowboys themselves looking deeper into the picture that that was something they were going to be sold on i think they were going to look in a different route and then that's where they came up with ty if he would have been ready he would be a cowboy mm-hmm. he's not ready that's, yeah. that's that you know what i'm saying everybody's saying well he get him ready he, he won't play the the um the regular season he would play the postseason. Yeah. Well, you know you got to get you you know you just can't go out there. You you got to practice. You got to you got to know what you're doing. You got to get in rhythm with your quarterback. And he wasn't even ready to practice. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you know, the Cowboys did the right move by not signing him. Forget the splash play, mm-hmm. which uh you know I don't think that it was. They had Ty. Probably in their back pocket the whole time thinking about it. So it's a smart move. T.Y. was injury prone as well. However, it does help you when you've had a whole year off and your body can, you know, recuperate as best as it can. Uh, you just hope that T.Y. is not as, you know, fragile uh, mm-hmm. or injury prone like he usually been. If he can just hold out for another month, uh, <laughs> then we should be all right. Yeah. Absolutely. So two quick things before we let you go. Um, So I talked about the Derek Carr situation, and I do think there's obviously there's always been some turmoil with the Raiders and such. And I do think it would be a better scenario for Derek Carr to take his talents elsewhere. Um, Now, there have been two teams that in the NFC East where they've kind of looked at their quarterback scenario, and that's the commanders and the Giants. Um, Depending on how the year finishes off, um, I do think he's a real good quarterback. I do think there are a lot of uh, tangibles that he does have. 
I even look at it with the commander situation because he's got an offense. He's also got a real good defense. Um, depending on the head coaching scenario, it could change. Like the owner, they may have a potential new ownership. They may have a new coaching staff. Um, could it be a possibility we may see Derek Carr in the NFC East? And how do how did the Cowboys really kind of plan for that going the next season? I know it's too far ahead, but could that possibly be, you know, something that could happen for the NFC East if Derek Carr was to land there? First of all, when it comes to Derek Carr, is is this year you got to be fair, but compared to his past years, you you can give a projection. Yeah. The reason why I say you got to be fair because his number one weapon, and contrary to what people like to believe, you know, Devontae just got there this year. Yeah. His number one weapon was Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. Waller just came back. Mm-hmm. He was hurt. Yeah. Renfro was his number two option. Mm-hmm. Renfro has been gone the whole year, and he just came back. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, you got to be fair, like, you know, can you really evaluate him, you know, fairly when he doesn't have the horses to run the race? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. However, the balancing act is, is that when you look at his years past, we're running into the same record, you know, well, the same result. The Raiders not making the playoffs. That's that's usually what, what the results are. Uh, and so you got to kind of question it. I think what it is is that this is a case of um, Carr having huge expectations that are never met, and because they're not met, people kind of categorize him as, you know, so I even heard some people call him trash. He's nowhere near trash. No. Uh, he He's good. Yeah. Uh, the, the question is <clears> – <throat> What are you know? What are your realistic expectations for him? And uh, if he comes to the NFC East, I don't think that he's coming to the Giants because, see, uh, I believe that the coach there is slightly believing in Daniel Jones. Well, we got to keep in mind about the Giants is if the Giants win tomorrow, mm-hmm. they're in the playoffs. Yep. Nobody expected the Giants to be in the playoffs this year at all. So we got to give credit to Daniel Jones for real. I mean, who does he have at wide receiver? Kenny Galladay is <clears throat> nowhere to be found. Uh, they traded away Tory Tory to the 49ers. Tony, I'm sorry, to yeah, the 49ers. Stoner, yeah, I could hear you. I mean, Stoner, who, who, City, who yeah. does he have? I mean, who is their tight end? Who Who is it? I don't, I don't know the name. So really, the weapon that he only has is himself and Saquon. Offensively, look what he's done. So, are you really gonna give up on you know Daniel Jones without really you know probably evaluating him? So I don't count that. Washington, however, if it was a team that you know, I I guess that can come into the conversation. But then the question becomes, and, and I mean, are you are you gonna throw away Wentz like that? I mean. I mean, his money is there. I mean, the contract is there. I mean, are you going to ship him off? I mean, I mean, what what are you going to do? Uh, and if you're trading him away, mm. 
if you're trading that type of dude away, when I say Wentz, <coughs> is the upgrade really Carr? I mean, how much of an upgrade? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Carr probably is better, but I'm saying when you're saying we're going to throw you away, you better be bringing somebody in that's, you know, really up there. Oh, man. So let, let, me, let, me, let me throw this one in, Snake. Let me really give you a hot take. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I ain't going to give it to you because I just thought about it. They're going to franchise him. <laughs> but, 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 but here's the franchise. I don't know what the franchise numbers are mm-hmm. for a quarterback, if, they, you know, if you get it. But what if Lamar Jackson ended up in Washington? Man, that oh, the reason I'm me. saying that is because I don't know what the franchise numbers are, and right. and if Baltimore, common sense would tell you that if they're not gonna sign him long term, mm-hmm. you're gonna franchise him. But what is that number? And if you and if you're gonna pay that number, mm-hmm. then which is highly unlikely because you didn't pay him now when you could maneuver the contract and all right, that. Right, got his eighty percent of your games. I mean that that's what I'm saying. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, what if Lamar's just this upset that it done took y'all two years mm-hmm. to sign me when it was very easy, you know, to do it? What mm-hmm. if Lamar Jackson leaves or he say he ain't playing on no franchise tag or whatever mm-hmm. and end up in Washington? That would that be would be scary. Yeah. Uh, tell scary Terry McLaurin, and you've got and you've got Logan a, a Thomas, running back by Antonio Gibson, Brian yeah. Robinson, and that defense who've been missing Chase Young all year. And God, come that back would look then. so good on that offense. That, and all that, you'd have to all you'd have to literally focus on is that offensive line. That is literally all you'd have to do. I'm I'm just throwing it out there as a bunch of what ifs and fantasy football type stuff, but. I believe Lamar's a little – that's why he's not playing. Right. Because he's ticked off. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And he's not going to risk his body. You know, he got a PCL tear, and y'all haven't paid him. Why would he risk injury? And right. Baltimore and he's, got an MVP, he's got a league MVP on his belt. Come on, And they're, and they're still not paying him. Now, <laughs> that, now that is worth getting rid of Wentz for. Right. A Lamar Jackson type. Not a David Carr. I only brought that up just to say that. <laughs> well, on top of that, the Ravens are being completely stingy as well, and they they told him basically, "Go earn it." You you think you yeah. we can we should pay this money? Go earn it, and which is an insult for them to even say that to him in the first place, right? Yeah, like you you pay you prove it or prove it year. That is that is to him that that's an insult. So I got a feeling that Lamar Jackson and his mother, who is his agent, don't forget that. <laughs> I believe they're kind of ticked off at the Baltimore Raven organization. I blame them, and I don't think that they're going to be too quick to sign. Um, you know, I'm, you know, they they're they're basing everything off the Sean Watson contract, which is fine. But Baltimore, of course, that's been the kind of like the stalemate, uh, the guaranteed money part. So I'm I'm just throwing it out there. You can only tick off somebody so much mm-hmm. before they. Do something about it. That's all I'm no, saying. No, that, that, wow. That, Russell that Wilson says up. hi. Yeah. 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 Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There, there you go. See, see what I'm saying? Even though y'all stuck with Russell Wilson up there, so y'all threw you. He ain't going nowhere. But, but yeah. I'm saying that Lamar Jackson and his attitude is what's going to be kind of interesting yeah. to watch. 
yeah. uh, from now on. It's going to be interesting when he comes back for the playoff game with Baltimore. It's going to be interesting to see how he – his body language, how he talks, uh, mm. you know, about that situation because he can't be happy with the organization at all. Can't be. No way. Oh, yeah. And, and the no. last thing you would want is you would want a type of resentment with an organization – just while you're up in the playoffs that yeah. that's not a good look for the franchise that's yeah. that's yeah i don't reason why i said that is because trust me as much as ron revere loved to run the ball you can imagine him um, and antonio gibson in the zone read that's scary. i mean he did have cam newton as a runner and yeah. he did that love that that's I, why that's why i'm it's funny because i i'd seen the narrative several times like on social media i was like I don't know about that. And now explaining that, that kind well, of well, makes sense. That, the wild that card sense. is, the wild card again is, you know, you wouldn't sign them to make it, you know, when it would have been convenient for the franchise. Right. But it, if you're going to pay him a franchise tag, mm. you have crippled, you have crippled the team for the, for the next year because right. you can't go get no free agents to help them. They're missing mm-hmm. a number one receiver. They still don't have one. All that. I mean, what can really can you do? You can't help them. Yeah, uh, and Washington seems right because Terry McLaurin's already locked in. Um, and I think they do have uh, Cam Sims, who's another young wide receiver that also yeah. comes And you have Jahan Dotson, who looks real good. That is a perfect landing spot for him if it happens. Now yeah. that would scare me to have him in my division for the and next. And you know that's got to that's got to be good for Washington fans because they deserve that. Like they yeah. they deserve like a different look of that culture too. Because I mean, how many years can we say that that much we have watched Dan Snyder and we're just like, oh dear God, just <laughs> just that 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 would be <laughs> scary for me for the next yeah. eight eight years or so in my division to see him twice a year with that team. And that would be real, real scary for me. But hey, they would make it beasts of the East, right? Yes. <laughs> if they were to franchise tag him, they would have to pay him somewhere in the neighborhood of 46 to 50 million. See what I'm saying? Mm. So really, I'm saying when you do that, when you do that, what, what, what yeah. other options do you have? You know, as far as the rest of the team goes, <laughs> You just gonna have enough money to just sign your draft picks. I mean, that's yeah. that's it. Uh, so I mean, you know, everybody's saying it might get done. You know, they'll be smart if they do get it done. But I'm, I'm factoring in, I'm factoring in that he's very upset with the organization, and yeah, he's hurt by it. He got, yeah, I mean, his I body is hurt right now, mm-hmm. and no quarterback don't want with the way he plays ball. No quarterback don't want to get on the field risking. When I ain't got no contract, you know, guaranteed money coming the following year. Yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't blame him at all. He, I, he put, he put his heart and soul into that team for so many years, yeah. and and gave that organization a, a, a face of the franchise. And I understand he had, was it John Harbaugh as his coach? Yeah, John Harbaugh was his coach. I, I, I get, the, I get, I get all that, but it, he still put all his heart and soul in that team. And the minute he asked them just for a, a, a nice, healthy, extended contract. They tell them no, essentially. Which, which let's throw that in, Jeremy. Which they knew was coming. Yeah, <laughs> they they knew he was up. You know what I'm saying? You know, after Deshaun got paid, after Dak got paid, after uh, Josh Allen got paid, they already Rangers. knew. You can only next. imagine too when Justin Herbert gets paid. 
Oh like, my God. And, and we, that, we, talking, yeah. we talking 50 million a year. <laughs> when Joe Burrow gets paid, yep. we talking 50 million a year. Talking north so, of that, Aaron Rodgers is already at 50 million a year yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, we, we're, going, we're going higher. So, yeah. I mean, this thing ain't blowing. And Lamar Jackson, as you said, uh, Snake, he's got credentials. He, yep. He's an MVP. He's a Pro Bowler. He's all pro. He, I mean, and he's young. Let's yep. throw that he's in. He's got the stripes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, so we, you know, Baltimore don't put themselves in the corner here. That's, that's all I'm saying. Because yeah. I promise you, another organization will give it to them. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, uh, it's been so good talking with you, Doug. Always good to have your inputs. Um, real quick for all of our audiences, where can they find the big time show and tune in? Ladies and gentlemen, it's very simple. Go to YouTube. Uh, just search out, as you see right above me, the big time show. Subscribe to that. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as well, the big time show. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at big time Lou, L-O-U. At Big Time Lou, I'm everywhere. Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those different spots. Uh, I appreciate uh, Snake. You even thinking about me? Uh, <laughs> you didn't have to, uh, Jeremy. Appreciate your uh, input, and uh, you're a smart dude too. So Snake, Snake went and found somebody just as smart as he is uh, in sports, and I appreciate. Uh, uh, you guys uh, even thinking about me, allowing me to come on. Appreciate you. Absolutely, man, always. And you know you're always welcome back up onto the show. Always love chopping cowboys with you. And from the look of you, it looks like you really are all in on those Wolverines, right? We're going to see a big-time game. I'm a little, against, I, I'm, I'm a little older than both of you guys. So I'm, <laughs> um, I'm 49 years old, almost 50. And I've been rocking with Michigan since 1982. Oh, Back in wow. the Anthony Carter days when Anthony Carter was a wide receiver. So mm-hmm. this is all I know. So obviously I'm excited today uh, for it. It's going to be rough. Uh, but I think that we have we we got a good team that um, I think we should get past TCU. Yeah. And then – depending on – well, it really don't – you know, if we are fortunate to get past TCU, mm-hmm. uh, the world would want to see us against Ohio State again. I mean, what better yeah. drama is that? Uh, now, that then, could be interesting. Cause very, I, yeah, but then if we face Georgia, what I mm-hmm. hope is is that we don't have another classic case of the SEC offensive lineman dominating <laughs> the Big Ten – Defensive oh, yeah. line, and it'd just be a you know a scrimmage game, uh, oh, yeah. which is usually what happens when a big team team plays during this late plays the SEC team. You know, hopefully we got enough this year to uh, uh, to to make it a game this year. But go Wolverines, go Blue! <laughs> All right, Doug Brooks on the Big Time Show. Thank you so much for joining us, Thank man. You, go Wolverines. I, I'm pulling for you guys against TCU, that's for sure. And oh. and the college football playoffs, it's going to be electric, so I can't wait for it. But Appreciate you, take man. Take care of yourself, and we Thank will you, officially see you in the new year, my friend. Take care of yourself. Yeah, and the Cowboys will be there, too. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> we 12 and 4, not 4 and 12, baby. <laughs> All, right. All right. Take care, man. Uh, absolutely love a lot of his input. Like, Doug, like Doug's a smart guy. Like, he, oh, yeah. he knows a lot about it. And that's why, like, with the input. And that's so funny. He mentions that about the Lamar Jackson thing. Because 
I can after he just explained that he just convinced me that I feel like Washington could be that answer if Baltimore doesn't get this done. That's like I to me I think that's ridiculous of the Ravens that the, they feel that stingy. And look, he still does not have any wide receivers. His only one is Mark Andrews. They haven't figured out the wide receiver position, and you're going to throw it on him? I mean, Marquise Brown went to Arizona, which that's a, that's a complete circus show right now. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know what you do with that. That's I, I would feel the same way if I'm Lamar Jackson. I'm winning 80% of the games, and I won MVP, and I get, like, what more do you want from me? That's, yeah. uh, wow, that's insane. Well, but I agree with that. I, again, another case, like I, like I said, it's another case of one of those quarterbacks who <laughs> gave his heart and soul to an organization for yep. many years, and he just asked for um, uh, just just a simple, you know, pay me what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. And the Baltimore Ravens said, well, we want you to earn it. And what, how, how, how many ever years he's played and all the deep playoff runs, that don't mean nothing. Uh, and you still want me to prove myself. I, I I completely understand. I would not blame Lamar Jackson one bit if he walked away from the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, not yeah. one I, oh no. And especially, I mean, you got to think, could they potentially be in the mix to maybe draft a quarterback? Or maybe they might end up, tur- you know, challenging the market a little bit? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Wow. Now, because if Lamar Jackson leaves, I can only imagine what Mark Andrews is going to feel. Because he's probably <laughs> not going to want to be there. <laughs> but only time will tell. But all yeah. right. Well, we were on the bottom half of it. And you know how we always do with prime predictions. So, um, boy, did we take a major ass whooping last week? Four and 12. I feel terrible. You did. I, oh, you God. did. Yeah, I, I, I was not a part of that. <laughs> you did. You probably warned. You probably warned me about it. Like you really want to go that route. <laughs> but hey, I, I, but you know what though? It, it, it's so tricky and it's so tough because it's like all year long we've had underdogs. Like all year long, and hardly the favorites. Like if they're past seven points, like it's hard to predict that. I will say that. Um. I, but it, it, I, I think this week it'll be better. I think this week will definitely rebound. So um, you're ready for these prime predictions, man? Let's do it. I'm really excited about these ones. So These all, are Jake's predictions, by the way. They're not mine. <laughs> all right. I was going to so make that all, very clear. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's he's going to be my spectator of it. And I'm sure you'll probably get your input on some picks too. So I'm, I'm like, I'll see what he says about some of these picks. But – all odds are provided by Superdraft Pro. And for those that don't know, Superdraft Pro is, of course, your daily fantasy, but also has introduced their sports book. We are swinging into the new year of 2023 with big time picks. Now, with the sports book open and, of course, player prop bets, it's fantastic. It's a fun game as well. You make your player prop bets over unders of performances plus daily fantasy lineups that you can put together on a weekly and day-to-day basis as well. So take a look at Superdraft Pro. Link is in the bio and in the description. 
Download like a pro, sign up like a pro, share and with your friends, co-workers, and whomever as a pro with Super Draft Pro. Get yourself signed up. Link is in the description. So all odds are provided by Super Draft Pro. And here we go, week 17. I'm very excited about these. Let's turn it up. It's Jake's Prime Predictions. Cardinals at Falcons. I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons minus three and a half. This was a little bit tough because mostly I would go for the Falcons on the cover spot, but lately they haven't been so good against the spread like they were in the first seven games of the season. But at home with a brittle hurt Arizona Cardinals team, I'm trusting that, you know, the, the Falcons, here's the thing. They've got Desmond Ritter as a quarterback. I don't know if he really is that future quarterback for the Falcons moving forward. But let me tell you something. I have love Drake London as he was a draft pick out of USC. He's looked really, really good. He's given me some promising hope for what the Falcons could potentially do better. I think they're going to probably go out and get more wide receivers up into the draft. Um... They've got to fix up a little bit more of the defense, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Arthur Smith, he's a real good head coach. People don't see that. There's a little bit of his offensive schematics that could use a little of adjustment, but he's working for what this offense should be. That Tyler Oligier, um running back, man, is he good. I, I thought Cordero Patterson was going to run through it a little throughout the year, but I don't know. I'm kind of leaning a little more toward Allgaier. I think he's a pretty good, decent running back. So I'm going to take the Falcons minus three and a half, and we'll give it a win at home 24-17 over the injury-brittled Cardinals. Bears at Lions. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions inside Ford Field against Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Look, this is do or die right now for the Lions and for Dan Campbell to get in potentially to the playoffs. This team, by the way, their offensive coordinator, can we just give him an award as best coordinator in the year? Because this offense really produced well. Amonra St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and did anybody forget about Jamison Williams being healthy? He's actually contributing a little bit too to the offense. Maybe not as much, but he's contributing. But the home record, this is why I said it is very difficult to move off a quarterback like Jared Goff because at home, he's a comfortable quarterback. His quarterback rating is a lot better than a lot of people anticipate. So he's back at home. He's got a division rival in the Bears. This is an opportunity for the Lions and their defense to start to step up, and they really are starting to play well. So I'm going to take the Lions, minus six, 27 to 20, comfortably in Ford Field. Goff has a great day at home, and these offensive weapons, they just continue to produce. Broncos at Chiefs. So this was a ridiculous line that is 13 and a half. 
against a Denver Broncos, which I know, like, it, it, look, it looks ridiculous on paper, but look, I'm going to take the Denver Broncos 13 and a half. That was an embarrassment of an ass whooping it against the, the Rams. What do most teams usually do with an embarrassment like that? They are buttoning up their defense. Well, they fired their head coach. Still, yeah, they fired the head coach. Um, so this is now giving, and usually teams that fire their head coaches, they're good the next week. So I, I'm leaning towards that. And the defense will Don't be say hi. Better. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the Broncos defense, they are the best defense that's ever seen in the league that most people don't feel look at. I love Patrick Sertain. I love Justin Simmons. And even without Bradley Chubb, this team's really good on defense. Now, the offense needs to get cooking, but I don't think Kansas City is literally going to put up 13 and a half. That, that's just insane. You're asking Patrick Mahomes to throw this nine to ten different wide receivers in order to really validate that line. I'm scared of it. I'm not taking that. I'm going to take the coverage of 13 and a half. I still think Kansas City will win 23 to 14, but I think the Broncos, in, in some ways, the defense is going to be a little better because after that embarrassment, it's going to be much, much better. And I think that the Broncos, their defense is going to show up for it. It's going to apply a lot of pressure up on Patrick Mahomes. And by the way, this is a race for the number one C2. So I think the Broncos, like all of us in the division, they don't want to see the Kansas City Chiefs getting the number one division. So I'm going to take the Chiefs to win 23-14. But it's going to be interesting to watch how those coverages of points really work out. Dolphins at Patriots. I'm going to take New England here at home, knowing that Tua Tagovailoa being on concussion protocols. And by the way, defense is a little bit spotty for the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to take New England here in this game, minus three at home. This has always been the tougher portion of the week. Because we do this with Miami. When it's hot and when it's really good, um, comfortable weather, the Dolphins play differently. And I love their offense. I do love Tyreek Hill and I do love Jalen Waddle. And it's not to say I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater. But every time you get to tough spots like this, what does Bill Belichick like to do? Play aggressive defense. So to me, I think a lot of the narrative is New England applying pressure on Teddy Bridgewater and this Miami offense. This is also another do or die to survive to stay in the playoff picture because the Jets, the Steelers, I think the Raiders now have finally thrown themselves out, out the door. But those teams there are still potentially looking into the playoffs. So, and the Patriots also are one of them. So this is an interesting game. I'm going to be tuned in on this one because if Mike McDaniel really does make an adjustment in this game, hopefully it's at the right time. But I don't know. That's tough against Belichick, who's been doing it for years. 24-20, Patriots win at home in Foxborough. But I don't know. I don't know if Miami could really get the sticks moving, but this will be interesting to watch. Colts at Giants. I'm going to take the New York Giants here at home. The Colts are an absolute mess. That was just a, a, a terrible performance. Now, I will say this. I wish that the Chargers would have put 35 points up against that Colts offense because, good God, 
three interceptions from Nick Foles, and the offense was not moving at all, I'm taking the Giants. I think Daniel Jones has literally proved himself that through the trenches, he really is trusting a lot of his pieces, and Ryan Dable is giving him the tools for him to be that type of quarterback to manage it through the trenches. So, and the Giants, by the way, Saquon Barkley, this is the healthiest he's ever been this year. He's been putting up real good numbers on the ground. He's also been somebody that's been scoring a bunch of times. So the Giants do work with what they have. And they're also playing, I think in my opinion, real good situational football. So that almost leaves me in a curiosity mode of what the Giants may look like potentially if this is the, the golden ticket to make it into the playoffs. Um, but I do think against the Colts, you're not going to get much out of this. So I think the Giants will win comfortably 27-13, minus 5.5. Give me the Giants in Ned Life. Saints and Eagles. I'm going to take the Eagles here in this game. Yes, even with Gardner Minshew potentially starting again. The Eagles last week, you can say what you want to about their loss against the Cowboys. I thought that was a real good matchup on both football of both teams. New Orleans, just throw the white flag. There's really nothing much that they've got left. I love their defense. I do think they've got great guys, but the offense hasn't really shown it for themselves. You're asking Bayswater Pistol and several other guys to really carry up this offense. Dennis Allen, and he's in trouble. He's, he's, he's literally got nothing else really to work for on his favor. I think I think Jalen Hurts too, as the Eagles smartly should, are going to keep him benched for the rest of the season. I mean, I would as I, they should rest him up and get him healthy for the playoffs. I would make a case maybe next week you could potentially have him on the field just to give him reps, but then by the time the Philadelphia Eagles have a comfortable lead taken out, like yeah. don't don't even listen. But let him play about I, a half, maybe a quarter. Yeah. And that's where I think for Philly, because Garbage is a good. That's why I said he almost put 400 yards against that that Dallas defense. So that leaves me confident that this is a team effort for Philadelphia. I'm going to take the six and a half and have the Eagles win 27-17 over the Saints at home. Panthers at Buccaneers. I heard a lot of people really are confident about Tampa Bay. Carolina's just riding this train right now. Have you watched what Brian Burns and uh, Derek Brown and that defense has really played? Nobody has been talking about that for a while because a lot of them, um, they've been talking a lot about Deontay Foreman and how he's been running the football efficiently. I'm taking Carolina plus three. Tom Brady, as great as he is, I am not knocking on Tom for this, but this offense has been just atrocious. They haven't found themselves. They haven't really clicked since, you know, the last two seasons, Tom Brady's been in Tampa, and they haven't really played that well. And against a defense that's got the hot hand right now, I don't know. That's just it. Well, it's just overall in general, Jake, I was just looking over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. They're just an old team. It's old. They're really old. It's old. This, this is literally like a senior center right now that you are just hoping nobody just pulls a hand. Nobody just breaks a right. leg. This you is can't hold up and you can't keep up. Yeah, and Carolina. Carolina's managing their destiny too because as atrocious as the South has looked, 
Carolina's got a chance. They got a chance in it. If the defense actually played well since, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, since probably week 13, week 14, that defense has actually played really, really good. They've been stopping opponents on the run. They've been stopping opponents with, as far as scoring-wise, even in the red zone. Carolina's not a team to really mess around with. I think this could be very interesting. I I like the Panthers' train ride right now. I'm going to take them to win 23-20 to 20 to embarrass the Buccaneers. But, man, they could potentially grab that south if they really, really want it. I think they can. Browns and Commanders. I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns here in this game. Carson Wentz is back to starting. Washington, they're kind of like, a, they're, they're holding on to a thread right now. And Cleveland, let, let's be honest, this hasn't really looked like Deshaun Watson at all since he's been back and started. I knew this was going to be rocky, but <clears throat> Cleveland's defense has been doing all that they possibly can to stopping opponents. And their run game, I still do trust Nick Chubb. And this is where I think the Browns, in a potential matter like this, Washington, they have got to be coming out swinging because they cannot allow a guy like Nick Chubb to be running the football efficiently, let alone get offensive weapons open in order for Cleveland to really succeed through midfield, even through downfield passes. So I think Cleveland at this point is going to be a close game. I'd like the plus two. I'm taking a risk on that. 23-21, Browns win on the road. But this will be a close game, and who knows? Maybe Carson Wentz might have something up his sleeve. I don't know yet, but I do like with where the Browns are. Jaguars at Texans. Can I just say, and I've been saying this too, the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, has truthfully arrived. I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars. By the way, the defense as well has actually been playing real good football. They haven't been playing great, but they've been playing good enough as situational. I think a lot of that comes from Doug Peterson being the head coach. He's brought the best out of Trevor Lawrence since he had the mistakes. And I think that probably stemmed from either week eight, week nine. Trevor Lawrence has never looked better. He's throwing the ball quicker. He's understanding the timing in the pocket and his offense is starting to produce. That Evan Ingram, is legit. Good God, Evan Ingram is having a year. Who would have thought somebody that literally botches a lot of passes from the Giants? He's having a year. Travis Etienne is on fire. Yep. The Jaguars are on a different level, and they are really looking good. And especially against the rebuilding Texans team, there's really nothing else you can look for. But I don't discredit the Texans because they can show up at any given Sunday. So that's why I think this game will be interesting. Taking the Jags minus four and a half, 27 to 20 on the road in Houston. But Trevor Lawrence, that playoff picture, he's looking forward to it, and he wants to punch his ticket into the playoffs. 49ers at Raiders. This is obviously a lopsided game now, now that Derek Carr has been benched and he is out of Allegiant Stadium. I'm taking the 49ers all the way. I, I don't really have anything else to explain about it. I feel bad for Devontae Adams. I feel bad for Hunter Renfro. I feel bad for Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. I mean, but <clears throat> the 49ers, this is an explosive defense. This defense has been allowing just about 17 points a game. 
just about. It's really just sad, too, as well, uh, that a guy like Josh McDaniels can't learn to not shoot himself in the foot and not let his agendas as a head coach drive him so far down into the ground that he can't get out of his own way. I mean, he was so hell-bent on one of, uh, what's his name, J- Jason Stidham? The, the, yep, the Jared Stidham, Stidham. Yep. Jared Stidham, he wanted, he wanted him to start when he got there over Derek Carr. Like, why? For what? Yeah. Because because you had him in New England? Because you, you have rapport with him? I mean, friendships don't equal championships here. Yeah, and, and I know for a fact, too, with the new general managing, with new head coaching, they feel like they don't owe Derek Carr anything. That's where I'm just like, this That's is sad. literally... Yeah, it's sad. It's the heart and soul of this Raiders team. I didn't like it. I understood where you didn't want Derek Carr to be hurt anymore, but... This is probably not the way to end up doing it. I think the 49ers defense is going to feast on the Raiders. I think it's going to be lopsided 30 to 17, but this is just well, this is just one of those games you're throwing them away. What baffles my mind even more about what you said, Jake, is if, if you're done with Derek Carr, you have that set and made in your made up in your mind. Why did you go and make the moves you did this offseason? Yeah. Why? <clears throat> oh yeah. Typical it's Raiders no thing. Sense. Typical Raiders thing. <laughs> Jets at Seahawks. I'm going to take the New York Jets on the road because here's my thing. Geno Smith, he's looking exposed like the Geno Smith yeah. we've known. And the look, Smith it's magic been a, is gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and by the way, it's been a hell of a ride for the Seattle Seahawks. I'll give them that. But the Jets' defense really has come alive. Sauce Gardner is just unbelievable as a corner out of Cincinnati. Yeah. Who would have thought this kid would have literally came into this league and he's just dominant? You know what, though? It is a pedigree between him and Terrell Revis. That's why I'm like, I'm not I'm not surprised by that. But it is surprising of how good his talent is. But the Jets offense, Mike White is back. You're not having to deal with Zach Wilson. But <clears throat> I do think the Jets offense will start to produce. They'll be better moving the football downfield. If Wyatt had to be this close, ask Zach Wilson, because this is literally as close as it could possibly get. But I do like the fact that Robert Sala, he's sticking to his guns. He can get this team hyped up. This looks a lot like a college atmosphere for the Jets. And I think right now with where Seattle is, they've been kind of cold. They haven't really been playing good football as of lately, and especially against this defense. I don't expect Geno they're, Smith to really have a game. They're looking more to that. They're looking more forward to that number three pick than they are this game. Pretty much. So I'm going to take the Jets to win 24 to 20, and I do think Mike White does come back in beautiful fashion. But let's just make sure those ribs are in good shape. Vikings at Packers. People keep thinking the Packers have this game in the bag. Did you forget what Week One looked like against the Vikings? I didn't think so either. I'm taking the Minnesota Vikings plus three and a half. Look, <clears throat> I said this before the year started. This is going to be the Vikings de- uh, division to take because right now Aaron Rodgers is dealing with young wide receivers. But Christian Watson's really good, and so is Romeo Dobbs. That gets me excited for what the offense will look like next year. But ultimately, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers' magic. It's what it has to be because I ain't trusting Matt LaFleur on this. I think this will be interesting for Minnesota, but the offense is guaranteed where they're putting up points, whether it's Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, or Allen Thielen. But this offense looks real good, and I know when it comes to Kirk Cousins, 
This is also not a primetime game, folks, by the way. So, to me, I feel like Kirk Cousins can be um, can be comfortable in this position. So, I'm taking the Vikings, covering and winning the points 24-20, upsetting the Green Bay Packers at home and killing their playoff chances. Rams at Chargers. Chargers clinched the playoffs last week, and they're only going to get better from here. I'm taking the Chargers as the home team in L.A. against the Rams, minus six and a half. Listen, now, I think the toughest part is Justin Herbert hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since uh, since week 15. This is a little tough because of the fact of he's thrown two picks against the Tennessee Titans, and he threw a pick against the Colts and did not have a touchdown pass. That is where I know some of those selections from Justin Herbert has been more of his end, but he will get better against the Rams. Normally, when it comes to quarterbacks, when you're in that kind of scenario, you don't stay in that for long. He's poised in the pocket. He trusts a lot of his... Um, his oh, and by the way, did I ever make it a great announcement? Joey Bosa's is back. He's playing this weekend. So Joey Bosa is getting healthy with the time that the Chargers need their defense back. So I'm excited about that. And plus two, potentially Rayshon Slater might come back next week or may even be back by the time the playoff game. This team is starting to get healthy and they are starting to play better football as of late. And I've said this over and over again. The offense, they are going to end up scoring points. Now, if I keep saying it. Joe Lombardi needs to stop playing this Deacon Duncan conservative stuff because this is not what the Chargers are. This is not what their offensive identity is. The defense does play better. It plays a lot. It, it plays a lot greater than a lot of people can think of it. But the defense, by the way, has been playing really good football. They've been allowing less than 250 yards to opposing offenses. And they've actually been allowing less than that. So the defense has started to play great. And this is exactly what the Chargers are supposed to look like. 30 to 20 at home, Chargers comfortably against the Rams. Steelers at Ravens. Because of the whole Lamar Jackson thing, and of course, too, they're not starting him. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers plus three. The Steelers right now, they're playing in a different... Um, they're playing like really, really different as far as with what the team is trying to go through. They're trying to finish up the season strong. I think Kenny Pickett, there's a lot of just the evaluation, but I do think Kenny Pickett's getting better as weeks start to go by. But I do think that the Steelers, they're going to end up taking this game. Baltimore's a mess. Baltimore is just absolutely just shooting themselves in the foot. Now, even though that they are in the playoffs, this is not a team I feel confident in going into the playoffs. So... A lot of stuff really, really um, exposing itself out to. So I'm going to take the Steelers to win 24-21 on the road, plus three. They're going to literally just take it. Like, they're going to literally ding the Ravens and seeing how their potentials are in the playoffs. Bills and Bengals. This is the game of the week on a Monday night. This was so tough for me to pick. But I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. The defense on them, 
it's tough, but it is facing against Joe Burrow in this offense. And the offensive line, they lost Leo Collins for the year. But that doesn't mean that the Bengals can't figure themselves out. This was such a tough game for me to pick because I love both quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. I love both of these teams like as far as their weapons and their defense. So I'm expecting this will be a great game. But I think Buffalo on the road, they may come out up on top. And I do think that with Sean McDermott and his defensive line and his skills could end up boosting a lot more of the defense. I know that they've been dealing with injuries, but this is something situational football really, really matters. I'm going to take the uh, Buffalo Bills to win over Cincinnati 27-24. Boy, this is going to be such a great and tough game. So there you have it on prime predictions. So that's exactly with what I'm going with. I'm excited for all these picks. Falcons, Lions, Broncos, Patriots, Giants, Eagles, Panthers, Browns, Jags, Niners, Jets, Vikings, Chargers, Steelers, and Bills. Boy, I mean, the prime predictions, even if with a bumpy week like last week was, um, it, it it's still like it's been really, really, it's been really good. We haven't really had a whole lot of bad bad weeks. So last week was just a bummer. But next week will be the last week that we have as far as the regular season goes with prime predictions. So I'm going to put all my chips in up on that and seeing how the rest of the year will really, really pan out. So, all right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for us. I know uh, Jeremy, he had ended up cutting out. The internet started to cut out up on him. But... I'm excited to have Jeremy back up on the show with us. And of course, being our new co-host, there's so much that's in store for this show. And 2023 is definitely going to be our year to take off. Lots of different changes just like this. And especially too, with how the year starts up, it's going to be exciting stuff. So help. I hope all of you guys on this New Year's Eve edition of the Snake Sports Talk Show, you guys have a great new year. Lots and lots of different expectations for 2023 walking in, maybe New Year's resolutions, whatever it may be. I hope you guys all have an amazing and blessed New Year and expecting New Year endeavors as well. I got a lot going on for next year. Show's taking off. Wedding coming up in October. I'm excited for all of what this year is literally going to be like. So, But I appreciate all of you guys, the fans, the listeners, the viewers, all of you guys for your love, support for this show. You guys have been immaculate all throughout 2022. Let's close this chapter and let's make it even bigger in 2023. I am excited about it. The Snake Sports Talk Show has never been better than before. Bigger and better things to come in 2023. But I thank all of you guys and I love every single one of you guys. Have a great new year. Have a great Saturday. And we will see you in the next year edition of the Snake Sports Talk Show.